Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Uh, it's game week. What else can I say? Miami's 0-1. Life is good. Enough said. Go Big Red. And Florida's 1-0. I don't know. Uh, I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? For those of you following us on our Facebook live stream, which doesn't exist, you probably noticed the uh, change in our attire. We've uh, adopted our alternate, our sub-package uniforms <laughs> because of our stellar performance the week prior and how good we did on the podcast and Honky's record editing time. We've decided to don the black shirts. Get used to it, folks. It's a new tradition. All right, sounds good. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Scott Frost and his thoughts on uh, wearing black shirt uh, jerseys every year. I'm also with Boomer. Well, I'm just excited after watching the Week Zero games and the performance of some of the teams there. I don't feel so bad about being chosen as a preseason top 10 podcast. I think we can live up to what we've seen so far. Yeah, especially the whole extra week before the season starts to prepare, obviously. Big difference. All right, guys, we are uh, talking college football live it is week one. It's upon us, right? We do have the Yahoo College Pick'em uh, set up for the Redcast. Honky's been sending that out, so make sure to sign up for that. We want as many people as possible. Boomer, what what was our uh, first prize last year? Well, first prize, which went unclaimed, so we're uh, recycling it again this season, is a uh, glossy signed 8x10 of a Honky eating last year's leftover shrimp cocktail from New Year's Eve. So that is available <laughs> this year's winner. That's right. I, maybe we could actually up the ante a little bit here. I say uh, the winner of the Yahoo Pick'em actually gets to come on the Redcast, be a special guest. What do you think, guys? I think that's a great idea, Dave. <laughs> All right. I don't know if we can pull it off or not, but it's out there. Well, I mean, one of us could win it. That would simplify matters. Yeah. Y'all better hope I don't win it because I got some stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. And, uh, another thing that we're going to be, uh, putting out on social media here shortly, uh, getting ready for the NUCU game. Uh, we're going to have a special show actually, which is going to be really awesome, but Honky and I will be out there. Uh, we're going to actually have a party bus taking us back from Boulder to Denver. Uh, I think we have two extra seats. So we're going to be trying to do a raffle, uh, to support a couple of charities, uh, that we have. Producer Skip has a charity, um, called uh, Here, which is um, about uh, empowering refugee education. And then uh, a good friend of the show, Tyler Coleman, has a charity called Limb. It's a support group for uh, people with limb loss or limb difference. Uh, anyway, uh, you'll be able to uh, potentially join us uh, on the party bus uh, if you win the raffle. So, guys, let's dive in here. Uh, Mac, We had a a very good presser with Frost. Uh, You want to start us off with that? Yeah, the the head man uh, wrapped up fall camp this last week with a final presser on Friday, and he he dropped some nuggets on us, and he was pretty slick about it because uh, amongst the news of, you know, a redshirt freshman Cam Jurgens, who is the second coming of Scott Frost in a center format, you know, a a champion shot putter and an elite athlete from a small town in Nebraska. Everybody's hopes and dreams of the program right on this guy's shoulders. Well, he slipped that in there right along with a, hey, guys, also adding a third jersey to our regular rotation. (laughs) No big deal. Never done that before. It's black. And uh, I'm Scott Frost. (laughs) You're going to like this. Deal with it. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like, oh, well, that's how things go now. And for the record... I don't care. <laughs> I don't care when games we can wear whatever color. It could be plaid. It could be. It could be a teal. It could be a. a like I said, it it could be a lot of things. But if it's if it's a W next to the name, I'm all for it. But uh, but props to the headman for the way he dropped that in there on there. It was it was a calculated scofrel move. So Cam Jurgens is going to be our starting center. Is that right, Hunk? That's the takeaway that comes from there, which is. Helpful. Uh, we're going to have, at any point here this week, they're going to release the, the depth chart. But I think that was probably one of the positions of most 
intrigue was who was going to end up being it. And the fact that Jurgens right off the bat with only really a couple of weeks of fall camp work under his belt, being that guy, that's pretty impressive on that, on that side of things. Will Farniak, I'm more than comfortable with him being the center as well. So I do think we have two pretty good options there. Trent Hickson uh, just became the newest walk-on to become a scholarship player, as we predicted many times, as we saw in spring ball when we were at that practice. Mm-hmm. The guy, I have no issue with him at all at left guard. I think we are solid at four of our five starting offensive line positions, and I like the potential of what we have at center. We just have to see it. He only had like one week of fall camp. You know, he was completely limited prior. But I would say this. He was activated the entire time on the 110. What that allows you to do is be part of film, workouts, all the all the extra mental reps that you get in practice that allows him to be part of the offense as it grows and implements. And then he comes back and he's so impressive physically that he goes ahead and takes over the number one spot without ever playing at center. So either it's a really, really good sign or sort of a, a cautionary sign is, you know, that I, I choose not to think that way. Uh, yeah. Frost has spoken so highly about the long-term potential of Jurgens. We may have to deal with a little bit of the freshman issues you're going to have at the beginning of his career here, but this is a guy I think they see in that position for a long time. And so they've got him, they've identified him. It's just, you know, let's be patient with him. Boomer, have you jump in here. I mean, one of the possibilities that we'll see with Cam Jurgens at center is that we could have a turnover or two. Um, maybe he's not quite prepared for those shotgun snaps, et cetera. Uh, Dirk Chatterley had a great article about turnovers. That was a part of the World Herald preview. Did you get a chance to read that? Just the sheer number of lost fumbles or, you know, non-recovered fumbles, just that gap of difference what Nebraska had was just kind of incredible just compared to any other program out there. Let me take it back to, to honky uh, a little bit. I, if I'm not mistaken in the article, Dirk pointed out that we are absolutely dead last in the power five on turnover margin over a 15 year period, which is a very long period. That's not mm-hmm. a small sample size. And a couple of the things that were driving that is the inability to get interceptions ourselves uh, and then the inability to recover other teams' fumbles. Uh, you have certain takes on, uh, on what you read from Dirk? Yeah, it was from 2004 to 2018. So you're talking about the first year of Callahan all the way through the first year of Frost here. But during that time, we were 65th in the country. That is dead last in P5 schools in turnover margin. And why that while that may not necessarily shock some people, quite honestly, I mean, we all knew that we weren't. Yeah, that number didn't surprise me. I felt like we'd. It, it's not surprising it's that we. It's the gap. Yeah. It's the gap between us and the next teams, right? And and it's not so surprising that we were that we ended up poorly in those stats in turnover margin during that time. We all knew that was the case. What is really surprising is that if you are that bad in turnover margin, you should not be winning the amount of games that we've won during that time period. We won a shocking amount of, of games, 60%, I believe it was, during that time frame, when really that kind of performance and turnover margin should lead you to more times than not three and nine and four and eight seasons across the board. So we were winning a lot of games despite constantly putting ourselves in terrible position because of turnover margin. Yeah, it, it's it's stunning. I mean, we had, I think it was... Something like negative 78 uh, over that time period. The next closest teams are like triple option teams like Georgia Tech and Army. Uh, we're a complete outlier uh, on it. And it's over three different coaching staffs, right? Or not now a, a fourth. So it's just crazy. Well, it does give you hope if you turn that around. You should be able to easily be a double-digit winning team. or that As long as you don't believe in the curse of Frank Solich. Yeah. <laughs> You, and you think that the numbers over a 30-year period will absolutely even out, and we're going to have a killer 15 years of positive turnover margin. Well, the math checks out, Dave, so you're fine. Yes. <laughs> we're going to be plus 78. We're going to win a lot of games. All right, other things that came out of fall camp as it closed up were the captains. Mac, you want to run down who those guys were? So on the offensive side, um, you know, it's funny thing about the, the captains is they weren't really a surprise, but then when you break it down there, they are kind of shocking. Asia Martinez is clearly the leader of the offense. I think anyone would point to our team and they would say, that's the guy. Of course, he's a captain. And then Matt Farniak is the offensive tackle. And he's been identified several times by this coaching staff in this offseason as being a fantastic leader on and off the field. Then you flip to the defensive side, no-brainer Moberry. 
everybody saw that coming. He's he's been a guy, you know, even even during the dark days of of Riley, Mo Berry was always one of the guys who met the press and with his head hung and in a very somber tone, he would meet the press and 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 take his licks. And I've always appreciated that about him. But then to have a grad transfer from Oklahoma State, the the Big 12 to come in to be the captain when we have guys like a like Boodle, we have guys like Lamar Jackson who have been Davis on the team twins. long enough. Yeah, long enough to Davis twins, guys that we took to uh, Indianapolis or uh, scratch that to Chicago for the Big Ten uh, media days to be leapfrogged by all those guys. To me, it just screams to the fact that what the staff has been saying since they got here is this team lacked leadership. This team lacked the guys that were going to make it a team owned effort to make this program what it once was. Uh, granted, we're not senior heavy on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, certainly you could have picked a few guys. Ben Stilley comes to mind. Like you said, the Davis brothers. Uh, there's a lot. And Darian Daniels comes in, and he takes over that spot. And I'm not I'm not trying to devalue what he did. I think he's important to the team. But going forward, I would venture to guess that that should never happen again. Well, I mean, Dave, you mentioned it on last week's show about Coach Frost talking at, at Strategic Air Command you know, about the importance of, of culture and leadership. And obviously this is kind of a changing of the guard of leadership for, for Nebraska. Right now, two of the four captains are guys that were not here prior to Frost coming on board. And that was only 20 months ago. So that talks about, you know, half of our captains are new guys essentially to the program. Yeah. And ones that are obviously completely bought in as well. I think that starting next year to Max Point, I mean, it, it's completely Frost program. There's no no real uh, hangover left. Um, hopefully we have a great year to build upon, right? So we'll see. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, we've put on our Scarlet Colored Glasses and talking all things Husker football. Uh, Mac, let's start on the recruiting front. Um, it's been a little slow. A lot of people have been anxious about that, but... Uh, over uh, really just a couple of days, we got two new running backs joining this class. First one, I believe, is Sevion Morrison out of Oklahoma. And then we added Marvin Scott the third. Uh, you want to give us a kind of a breakdown of what we just landed with these two guys? Yeah, uh, as, as Mario Fedusco said, Speed City. I guess that's Lincoln now. But Speed City <laughs> just got faster. And, uh, you know... This is a shout-out to all the Reggie Davises out there telling you that you got enough running backs all at one time. But, you know, you, when you look at the uh, the roster depth and you look at the fact that we have a Dedrick Mills and we have a Maurice Washington and we have a Ramir Johnson and potentially a complete steal and, and Ronald Tompkins, and that's just – and every single one of those guys should be back next year. And we still go out and you get a Savion Morrison – who's a guy out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, a bigger back. You know, the, the thing I've noticed with this staff is it there's definitely body types that they choose. So Sevion is more of your six foot one ninety. You know, he's a speed back, he's a slasher, he's a home run threat. And then when you go and look at the, Scott the third, he's more of the smaller slasher, kind of he's possibly your your Husk R position, uh, that's a red cast trademark. Uh, thank you, Tony Hayek. Um, but th- that's the kind of guy that you envision him as being. And and the fact that they're just piling these guys on, when you look at the roster, I'm like, it's not exactly an open room. It's not exactly like I'm going to be able to come in and dominate right away. It speaks to the guys that these guys go after. And it should chill everybody about out about the about the recruiting oh timeline or calendar, or however you want to put that. I can assure Husker fans out there, this staff on the recruiting front, they don't leave anything unturned. They, they yeah. are all over this. You know, they, they know the guys they're going after. They have an idea of their timetable. Until you start seeing some panicky offers going out late, there's really no reason to be concerned. As you win some games this year, that's when things pop off. You, you're talking about, game day on on yeah an Ohio State game hey. you know if it, if it happens to be a 230 and this is this is not a nothing point the kickoff time to the Ohio State game is crucial because if it goes anything before 2 230 mm. it is a big problem because that is that is going to be our marquee weekend for recruiting so you know kind of a side note going into the season but that needs to be taken care of yeah you know, in general, has the staff done anything over the course of the last 20 months to give you any reason to be concerned about anything when it comes to recruiting? 
Nada. Yeah. So people that are recruit that are worried about recruiting right now, just stop it. Just let the staff do what they're going to do. Let the season and the recruiting season play out. It'll be fine. Now, I think to the point of those two running backs and how do you start to add those running backs to what already potentially looks like a crowded running back room? Well, Michael Severe had a really good uh, tweet, and I think he might have talked about it on the Severe and Benning show where they were predicting the number of carries. Uh, this year for the season and they came up with a total of 545 total carries which which would be 42 a game over 13 games but they gave mills 170 carries they gave martinez 130 uh maurice washington 100 wandale 65 ramir johnson 50 and then other 30 so you could see how even with what looks like a crowded room, there's carries still to be made, right? And, of course, we're also going to be throwing the ball to backs out of the backfield, out of the Huskar and the, all those different positions and unit groups that they get. So, Dave, I think it kind of speaks to the fact that Frost can sell an offense that can get the ball to a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I think we're going to see that going forward, right? I mean, we know what the US, UCF numbers looked like. And it is a, a significant amount of distribution, a lot of uh, ball carriers, and, and a lot of receivers. So it's not a surprise. And obviously, uh, it seems to sell well. It sell well in Oregon, right? This is not like uh, the first time someone has really had this type of distribution chart. So now back in the day with Nebraska, you could sell a running back on having playing time, even if you weren't the starter, because you were getting in and, and getting carries younger in your career as, uh, you know, we had uh, some significant leads in games. So that, that could be happening again here with some of these younger guys getting a lot more catches or carries um, as we take control of games, uh, hopefully like South Alabama. So it should be interesting. Well, here, I've got a question here, and I'm gonna, I'll lead with Boomer, and then we'll kind of go around the table here. But uh, it's a question we asked on Twitter, but I'll ask it first to us, and then I'll give you the Twitter results. Who do you think scores first this season for the Huskers? We'll just take the easy pick, and we'll go with uh, Adrian. I think he uh, sneaks something in. Okay. Dave? I'll go with JD. Very interesting. All right, Mac? I'm going to go with uh, Maurice Washington. What? Yeah, <laughs> I did. Ooh. Well, that's, that, that's meaning that he's playing this week. Well, that's interesting. What's interesting is we asked that question on Twitter. We had over 1,250 votes. Thank you very much, Redcast Nation, for that. And 57% of those votes came back with what Boomer mentioned, Martinez. 21% of them said what Dave uh, predicted, Spielman. Only 7% said Pickering. So people aren't thinking that it's going to be a field goal right away. We're scoring a touchdown. That's good. I like the confidence. And then 15% said other. And out of that other was you know the whole list of what you would expect. Probably the most people said Mills. But there was Maurice Washington. There was Jack Stoll. We haven't talked about the the tight ends, right? You know, how do we distribute the ball all over the place? A lot of different people can be getting that ball. And then there were a number of people that mentioned Lamar Jackson or Mo Berry. You know, defense. This is going to be a defensive touchdown. How great would that be? You know, I think Husker Nation's expecting to see a lot of points getting scored out there, especially against South Alabama. Um, but 57% of those are uh, Martinez. That's interesting. You know, Mac, I was watching some, I've been watching a lot more YouTube lately, thanks to your suggestions. And I think it might have been Husker Online. They do some clips and they had interviews with uh, Javion McQuitty and Andre Honda, I believe. And just talking about the distribution, we just talked about the running backs and having to feed is that many miles. But same thing with the receivers. And uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see some of these guys that we've kind of forgotten about, like McQuitty, if they can actually still carve themselves out a, a role in this offense. Yeah, the, the most encouraging thing I, with those guys is almost the lack of freshman talk you hear about. I mean, it goes to Wandale, and then it kind of stops. And then and then you hear about a Mike Williams, you hear about McQuitty, you hear about Woodyard. And, and you're not hearing about that from casual observations of practice. You're hearing about that from the coaches themselves. You know, Sean Becton had a great interview, I think it was the last time before uh, camp broke, about just one of his jobs... And I just, I personally, I just love this because as a coach, but he says, we all kind of do this. You know, I talk to the wide receivers, I talk to the tight ends, I talk to the offensive linemen, and they're all, you know, able to talk to my guys. And it's just about getting in the head and making sure a player's right. But specifically, he was talking about JV McQuitty. And he said that about three, maybe four days into camp, that he overheard Frost talking to Walter saying that McQuitty is, he's a different player this year. And, and he's not the only one. 
you know, he's not the only one I've heard talk about, like Brock Bando on the offensive line, yeah. you know, Alex Davis on the defensive line, uh, Lamar Jackson, maybe to a to an extent, you know, so I had some concerns about Maurice Washington as a, as a teammate, as a player and everything like that. But as they wrap up camp, all they're doing is telling me all the good stuff about Maurice is done. And that's that's not to be discounted. That's something that you need to be paying attention to. Because to date, this this coaching staff has done nothing but been honest about who's performing and who's not performing. I feel like these are guys we can count on. And I really love the fact that we're not hearing about freshmen. We're not hearing about anybody stealing those spots. Aside from a Wandell who's going to be kind of a jack-of-all-trades, so it's almost not even fair. All right, well, Honky alluded to this, I think, last week. We, uh, we'll have kind of a new segment here. Every once in a while, we're going to interject this into the show. Uh, we have a, a growing Redcast Nation, so many great fans out there. Uh, Mac and Honky had a chance to actually interview uh, one of our close Twitter friends, the Husk Guys, and uh, let's uh, hear from them now. All right, welcome back to the uh, Redcast. Uh, I'm with Mac, and we are talking with Dave and Andrew, the Hus Guys. What uh, up? <laughs> welcome to the show, Hus Guys. Thanks for having us. Awesome to be here. Yeah, so, you know, we've been following you guys for a while on Twitter. You guys have been following us. I guess first question is, how did you guys become the Hus Guys? Appreciate you guys having us on. Huge fans of your show, as we've said. We think you're the guys in the number one podcast out there. Do a little uh, pandering as we start the show. So we, yeah, I think for us, I mean, the, the Husker fan goes way, way back. I actually just asked my dad this. Um, we've been season ticket holders since 1922, so our, our Husker nation goes all the way back to our great grandparents. Wow. Going to going to Nebraska, our grandparents, my dad, and his, his, his two sisters. Um, and the internet started this right as we were coming out of college. Well, the big gap that we kind of thought in the marketplace was there was this lack of swagger coming from Husker Nation around 2010, 2011, where I think everybody had been burned for so long that we just didn't think we could win anymore. And it kind of bugged Andrew and I. We're lifelong Huskers. We dive into this stuff just as much as you guys do. And the, the, I think the gap in the market was everybody just thought nine wins was cool, you know? And so we kind of took a different approach that was constant Kool-Aid 24-7. Like, we're going to win the national championship every year. And I think it resonated <laughs> in, in, a, in a big way with some folks. That is probably a very interesting time because the social media starts to blow up and we are like at a historical kind of lull in the program, too. Because I think about that when we started the podcast. It was like, oh, yeah, let's do a podcast. Hey, let's win uh, four four games this year. And then uh, we'll follow it up with another season uh, Four wins. I'm like, I don't really like talking about football <laughs> at four wins that much, to be real honest with you. Those were, yeah, those were to, agony. To be clear, too, the, the, the best time for Andrew and I is the offseason. We realized we like January through September way more because <laughs> that's when you can be whoever you want to be. And then, you know, once, we, once reality hit from 2010 to, you know, like the last 10 years, it's like, oh, wow. Oh, boy. Yeah. You know, how do you keep, how do you keep the Kool-Aid going when you, when you're, you know, oh and six? <laughs> oh yeah. Off season national champions, 25 years running now. And that's kind of where we found that we had quite a niche was people that, uh, wanted to be re-inspired. They wanted to fall back on the glory days, but also use whatever positivity we were having that particular year, whether it was Tanner Lee who was going to win the Heisman trophy or, uh, you know, Tommy Armstrong, who was going to win four Heisman trophies. It's, you just latch onto some positivity, and, and I think we bred that. Yeah, we've talked a lot about that with latching onto recruiting positivity. Anytime you get that one big recruit, that's kind of been the thing that a lot of Husker fans would latch onto, but then that recruiting hasn't turned into wins, and that's where we've harped a lot on development and how important developing players is. And that gets lost by some of the recruit nicks that only focus on recruiting. Hey, we got a bunch of four stars and we should be able to beat Iowa and Wisconsin who get two stars, but are developing guys like crazy and physical practices and off season workouts and all those things that are important too. And I come off a lot of times negative towards recruiting. Like I'm saying it's not important. And I don't ever mean that it is important to recruit well, but it's important, it's important to, to give you context. <laughs> but I feel like that's the thing. It's really. important to do something with those recruits. And that's what. I think we're getting such a good blend of now with Coach Frost. Oh, yeah. And Iowa, I was just tweeting this the other day, Iowa has not in the last six years had a recruiting class above 39th in the country. And they just recruit these tractor-pulling farm boys, mm. and they have this fan base that just 
feeds off of that and they found a system and they plug them in. And I think that's honestly, as much as you hate to say it and as much as we all hate Iowa, we would love to have a system that ideally is going to be much better than anything that Barents has put forward, but he's an eight win, nine win a year, and they'll compete for a Big Ten title. And I think we'd like to get there and far beyond that, but have something that is working with not the recruiting talent that we have. The difference between the Iowas and Wisconsin's and us is we can get a caliber of player nationally on top of our regional guys that they don't get. And we can do that across the board. We can get top quarterbacks like Adrian Martinez. We can get, we can go into Florida and Texas and California and pull guys out that those other schools have had yeah. trouble doing. And that's part of the blue blood status that we are. So, but we've got to get, it's not about the blue blood. We got to get that red blooded, you know, hard nosed oh, yeah. nature about us again. And that's exactly what Frost is doing. It's what the physical practices are. It's what the Duval effect is. War daddy up. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Just to jump in on that too, because I mean, you got to have these guys develop. Like, I think I think Adrian Martinez is a once in a generation talent. Agreed. I, I couldn't. I, I seriously like. I think he's the best quarterback we've had in uh, I don't know since back to Crouch and Frost days. Uh, I'm super excited about him. I think he's. I mean, he's just got named captain. It's incredible as a sophomore. Um, yeah. The ones who make me nervous, and I like this is where I have such nervous anticipation for the season. Are like Wandale uh, Robinson, that like. Is that guy going to be Ty John or is he going to be, you know, Rondell Moore? Those are the types of guys that I'm like, if he turns into Rondell Moore, like we're going to win every game for the next four years. We'll never lose again. If we have like a Rondell Moore playmaker, we are never going to lose for at least his four years. Oh, at least. I mean, and then it's 25 years from then. I mean, you just built, you've built the franchise. But if he goes, if he goes the way of Ty John Lindsay, we're in this vicious cycle of like, oh man, another amazing recruit that we stole away from every major program. Oh no. Yeah. Nothing. And we also, as Husker fans, I feel like the program also needs to feed off of our walk on tradition. And I'm so happy to see us buy in back into that. My favorite player growing up was Jeff Souter. And this is really? such a random throwback, but he yeah. literally only played on kickoffs. Was he number 24? Yes. Even on a touchback, he would run his head into the wall and he would like almost nearly climb up into the student section. He'd smack himself on the head and he's just this walk on from Bellevue. And he was a complete psychopath and the fans and everybody loved it. And he was a walk on that just energized everybody and people feed off of that kind of stuff. Not only players like him, but players that are going to climb the ranks and stuff through our program and obviously be some of the greats. When you guys even talked about how we have 150 players on the team now, that to me is like, that's got to be some sort of advantage somewhere. It's certainly what Frost is wanting to get us to, and it's 30 more than any other team in the Big Ten. You know, you always want to balance how big to get, but I'll tell you, he obviously wants it at that number. We're going to build facilities to suit to that number, and that's not something our current facilities are built for. Frost wants to give opportunities to players that were not getting opportunities before. A walk-on today is essentially what a scholarship look like 30 years ago when you gave 30 or 40 a year out oh, if yeah. you're getting a walk-on opportunity you're a player i've got a buddy his his son's a walk-on on the team that kid could have gone to other places we just saw schlager from uh, colorado state give up money that dude isn't was in Fort that's Col- a big culture statement right leadership's a big piece of it and frost <laughs> talked about it at, when he on the uh video where he was talking at strategic air command where he talked about culture and he talked about leadership and how important leadership is. And the Jimmys and Joes matter. They do matter. But if you have a team that has good Jimmys and Joes, but you don't have the leadership and the culture in place, you're going to lose the teams that have it in place. And if you do have it in place, you're going to beat teams that don't. So again, it's not that recruiting doesn't matter. It's not that Jimmys and Joes don't matter, but it's, it's deeper than just that. Identity, Knowing what you want to be and knowing how to create those people through your strength and development is something we haven't had in forever. My first year was 83 following Nebraska. I was six years old. So my, my introduction to Nebraska. six year olds don't remember that well, stuff, but that's okay. My introduction to Nebraska football was going thir- or 12 and 0, having the Heisman winner, having the Outland Lombardi winner, going number one from start to finish and then losing by the two point conversion to Miami. That's, that's my introduction to Nebraska football. And I tell that to people when, when they go, why are you so nuts honky about Husker football? That was my intro. Nebraska, Nebraska had the most wins in all of college football in the, in the 80s. Second most wins in the 90s. I think it was I can't the believe not number nice. one in the 90s. Florida State. Crazy, isn't it? Andrew, what was your first year of Husker football and your first memories of it? 
Oh, man. My first memories, and Dave and I actually talk about this a lot. I don't know if it was more acceptable back then, but our our dad, uh, we had season tickets. The two of them were split off. So me and Dave, and I don't really know what ages we would have been, but this is as far as back as I can remember, maybe uh, six and eight, five and seven even. I don't know. But we had friends, basically, that my dad would leave us with over on one side of the stadium and go back to his seats on the 45-yard line in West Stadium. <laughs> Those are some of my earliest memories. And sometimes this, uh, this elder gal who was essentially turned into our babysitter over there would bring us back a vowels and then we'd just meet my dad at halftime and we just kind of knew where to go. But we have, I mean, a ton of old memories. I remember the 95 season. I was five years old when that happened. I remember, oh. I remember my dad absolutely uh, hating Tennessee in 97 because <laughs> the, <laughs> and just yelling at, at Peyton Manning every time we sacked him. But <laughs> I also remember very distinctly that our father would basically just be wearing black as if he was mourning for about a week if we lost. <laughs> and those were some dark times. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I, it's funny that you say that, Hockey, that, that you're like just you're on the 80s version of that because I, I started paying attention in 94 and we lost twice between my seventh and 10th birthday. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, I didn't I didn't understand losing. Right. Like, yep. you know, we lost twice in like what September last year <laughs> you know we lost twice between my seventh and tenth birthday and so it wasn't it just wasn't something I got it was just like oh we just win my team just wins the national championship every year this is the team I follow we win the national championship this is what we do and yeah dad would <laughs> the, the Arizona State game the shutout with oh, uh, Jake and Snake yeah. was I mean uh, it was like he didn't go to work that week he was just like that's how big loss <laughs> were you know it was like yeah. oh, is that okay like bring like soup downstairs like adding back <laughs> he called in sick he had, a, he had a mental uh, breakdown that's part of the culture though that Andrew and I kind of try to bring up because we were like raised in that of like Losing is unacceptable. Losing is like, you know, losing hurts the economy of Nebraska. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Losing means people don't go to work. And like the, then all of a sudden it evolves into to what it is, you know, over the last 10 years where it's like, ah, whatever, you know, nine wins school, you know, yeah. it's fine. God, man, wow, we gave, we gave Iowa a game. What is, <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That's like the official downfall of a program is when apathy begins. And I think that's what we fell into in the mid 2000s. But in the late 90s, I mean, it was like playing video games or like playing any backyard game with yourself or others. You were just supposed to win. If you had your own imaginary dream world playing these fake games, you wouldn't let yourself lose. Mm-hmm. And the team on TV that you watched never lost. So losing was not an option. Mm-hmm. And there was no, there was never really an adjustment period to that. So when you did lose, it was just, I mean, the sky was falling, the earth was opening, things were coming to an abrupt end. Y2K was around the corner. <laughs> it just, it all made sense that the world was going to end when we hit the year 2000 because we, uh, you know, things started to turn south for the program shortly after that. Yeah, in a big way. And the other thing is you lose a game. It doesn't just hurt for that one day, but like, I don't watch any other college football Mm -hmm. because what if they show a highlight of us getting smoked? I can't handle that. I don't (laughs) want to see that again. That's like I'm saying, doing the podcast after we lost, I'm like, Oh, like, Oh, if if that's going to be Monty ball, if that's going to be Jonathan to ice, I'm not turning the channel. Here we go. Here we go again. Well, that's, I, I think that I think to your point too, and that's partly like the way we were raised in that environment where we were supposed to win, and like our dad took the losses at heart. Andrew and I take these losses too hard too. But I want that, you know. I think the other way is not as fun, right? Like we, I go in every season, and you guys see us on Twitter. We're you know we're bold and we bring it. I think we're going to win the national championship, and I will not be bashful in saying that. <laughs> I will also say I, I think I thought we were going to win the national championship the last twenty years, and we haven't any of those years. But I think like that to me is is a way more fun way to be a fan is to put it all on the line. And, like I want the losses to hurt. Yeah, and you know what's fun is when you have confidence in your team enough to say it too. Because I've said, "Hey, we're going to win a national title," when I knew we had no chance. I've said that enough times over the last twenty years. 
the difference this year is I'm starting to get to a point. <laughs> no, it's, this no is, it's not that. It's just that we've said that every year, too. No, no, I still no, love no, it. No, no, no. I still is, love it. I this still is love totally it. different because of Frost. It's because of Scott Frost. No, it... Milk it, is a dollar ninety nine. It is Scott Frost. Look, it's not just because of Frost. It's because of everything that's gone on over the off seasons. It's the strength and conditioning. It's the practices we've seen. It's the walk ons that are coming on. It's the guys that are giving up money to come here. We've seen too many things Scott before. Frost. Before the wins even start, we're seeing the things. If you do the right things long enough, wins will start to come. So when I say I'm, I try, I'm being genuine here. I truly believe that we have turned a corner as a program because of Frost in the last twenty months that give me legitimate reason to say that we can be good now and we can be good this season. I'll give you one example of this in the last 15 years because we haven't been good most of them. In 2009, I go down to Texas for the uh, Nebraska-Texas Big 12 title game, and we're tailgating for five hours with some Texas fans that you know were pretty arrogant about how they were going to beat us up. One of them in particular told me, he goes, we're going you know, to beat you guys 45 to, to 20. And I go, dude, you have no clue about football because – Number one, there's no way you're scoring 45 on this team, and there's no way we're scoring 20 on you. You might beat us, but it is not going to be no. anywhere close to the score you just said. But I could say that with confidence because I knew how good our defense was. Oh, I thought you meant I how also, bad our offense was. And I also knew with confidence how yeah. bad our offense was. I can speak with confidence right now that we have an unbelievable generational quarterback running a scheme yes. that is picture-perfect for him with offense and defensive linemen who have gone through 20 months of conditioning and receivers and backs who are ridiculously young because they brought on 100 players in the last 20 months. 100 of our 155 guys are new to this to this staff, but we have yeah. ridiculous amounts of talent, but, boy, they are young. I, I'm, I'm going to sound like a row-the-boat guy. We're no, young. We'll never sound like all the book guy. We're young, but man, Wandell and Vermeer and 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 Mills and Washington and Martinez, that's a ton of speed that are yeah. literally guys that have been here for, you know, less than two years. I think I think well the the Kool-Aid, I think what's interesting, and you guys have pointed this out too, is it's flowing from outside. Yes. Right? So I was gonna ask got, you about you that. Got, you've got Joel Klatt, you've got Urban Meyer just told us that we were going to win the Big Ten West yesterday. Yep. You've got like some pretty legit guys that are saying this team is really tough to stop. And, and I also think when you go back and look at the game, so I went back, this is part of like the psychopath aspect of this, which you guys <laughs> do too. I laughed at someone on your show who, who said that they watched like plays and then watched the replay and then broke them down, which is like totally <laughs> nuts, right? Was that you, man? That was Matt. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was doing that. Uh, I was doing that last week. I rewatched all the games, and my wife thinks I'm like an absolute nut. She's like, "You're watching my games from last year. Like, what is wrong with you?" But when you watch those games, I mean, every one of them, you know, we should have won nine games. Like, you, when you break them all down, if Adrian plays, the Troy game is no problem. The Purdue game, like, was kind of a toss up. Colorado, we definitely win. Northwestern, we definitely win. Um, Iowa, you know, maybe right at the end there. Um, but we you had these things up and the way we were playing and how dominantly we were playing in so many of these games. I think plenty of people that watched us were like this. Yeah, this team has broken through. We're putting a 40, 50 points a game, 500 yards of offense. I mean, I think anybody that's seen us play sees that mm -hmm. side of it. We've talked a lot about Brett Siancio with uh, Pick 6 Previews. We interviewed him about a month ago. And he talked about how, you know, it's not just your your eyes aren't deceiving you. If you felt like last year was a seven or eight win season, it's because really on paper it was. Now on the field, we made mistakes at times that absolutely killed us. Things that oh, didn't kill the teams like Northwestern that don't make those same mistakes, but we made them. And that Purdue game, I'll forever say, because I was sitting in the fourth row right behind the Purdue bench, that is one of the, the sloppiest Nebraska games I've ever seen. And thank God we have a coach that appreciated how sloppy it was. Because that was the game where he came off afterwards and he talked about, we've got guys dancing on our sideline that look like they love losing. We had after that game, Tyjon Lindsay, a guy you guys mentioned earlier, and a guy like Greg Bell, who is a Frost guy. Frost brought him in. But you know what? It took him about four games to process him out. It was the game that both of those guys leave. It was the game where yep. Lamar Jackson gets demoted from Blackshirt. And quite honestly, he could have left the program at that point if he wanted to. And and I don't I wouldn't have been hurt one bit if he did, but you know what? Good on him that he came back, he fought back from that, and where he's at now, he's one of the leaders on the team. I think what gets me really excited, I think everybody follows the trend from UCF, right? Obviously they're last to first. The other one is you look at McKenzie Milton too. He went from like a ten interception guy to four or five his second year. His efficiency went from sixty five percent up to seventy five percent. 
if you get Adrian up and you improve him, you know, three, four, five percentage points on the like completion percentage rate, oh my God. I mean, he'll be absolutely unstoppable. And I think year two in a frost system, it has proven that. And it goes all the way back to Marcus Mariota at, at Oregon, right? Every guy that Frost has had has gotten better, you know, and obviously can't eliminate all mistakes, but that you're going to see some big improvement with that. When's the last time, guys, you saw a Husker team get better as the year went on? I'll wait and, and listen offline <laughs> because I can't think of one. Riley's third year was one of the worst years of my life. <laughs> <It> was- <laughs> That was a team that just regressed so hardcore, and I think if there's anything that's going to keep the hype train rolling, it's just to keep seeing signs of progress. Yeah. If we cut down on penalties, if our third down defense goes from, I think it was 105th in the country last year, if we get that into the top 60, top yeah. 50, if we get our third down offense, which you know we, we harp on the offense, but we sucked on third down, if we get that into the top 50, I mean, then you're maximizing ball control. Last year, we averaged uh, negative five minutes compared to the other teams uh, in ball control. And so, I mean, those are just things that if we just see some sort of progression, we don't, we don't have to be top 20. But if we keep proceeding in the right positive direction, we're going to, I mean, there's going to be plenty of Kool-Aid going around, just going to be flowing from the gutters in Lincoln. <laughs> I mean, my biggest question that I've been asking other Husker fans is, well, what is the biggest thing that has us worried about the season? One of the things that has me concerned more than anything, and I'm guilty of this, by the way, because I've said this, is that the schedule is so easy that we're just 10-2 and two and 11-1 and one because we're going to sleepwalk the way through. It's not a terrible schedule. And people, I don't want them to get that feeling that we're it's just going to... It's still Ohio it's, State. It, there's still yeah. seven Big Ten teams ranked more than any other you know conference in the country Ranked. We just happen to play some of those at home and our crossovers. We replaced the Michigans with Indiana and Maryland, but you still got to beat Iowa and we can joke about Iowa and all that stuff. But guess what? They still have beaten us quite badly over the course of the last four years for the most part. I, I think last year showed that that, that, that gap has changed, but they're very the, good at beating Mike Riley. They're very good at beating Mike Riley. You got to applaud them for that, but you still got to beat Wisconsin. You still got to beat Ohio State, and and you still got to beat Northwestern. I mean, you have to beat everybody on this schedule. These are good teams on the schedule. We're gonna have to play great it's hilarious. football. The narrative is just so fantastically absurd. Like oh, we have great. to pump brakes. I'm like, what are you talking about? We won four games, <sighs> and you know, I would convince myself we win ten games with Riley. With Riley. Oh. <laughs> so why would I say, well, no, Scott Frost, I'm gonna temper back, guys. I mean, got a generational yeah. quarterback. I'm gonna go eight. Hey. I'm going to put it out eight, seven and a half. Yeah, we, I Ridiculous. don't know that we have to change so much. Ridiculous. I just don't remember Joe Klatt naming Mike Riley's team's number 13 in the country. That's nicest. You know, 13 oh. nicest. The crazy thing is the confidence, too. Like, and I, obviously I'm as confident as anybody. The crazy thing to me is, like, if you actually look at the games last year, like the Wisconsin game, the Michigan game, and the Iowa game, like, all three of those, frankly, were like murder, right? Like, those were, you know, Michigan was absolute onslaught. Wisconsin, they dominated that game start to finish. And Iowa, if Kirk Ferentz doesn't go for two and miss a bunch of field goals, they're off to the races up like, you know, 38 to seven. So those to me are the like, all of a sudden we just, those are just put in a win column. Like we got to kind of prove we can beat those guys first. I think we will, but I think those, those concern me because those are, those are some manhandling up front. What I liked about the Iowa game was that. The team didn't give up, and I know that sounds dumb, but the prior two years that we played Iowa, that was exactly the knock on us. We would go into halftime with them in the last game of Riley. I think we were tied at half, and then we just kind of gave up in the second half, and, oh, you know, we just lost by 42. Well, the team didn't give up, but what the team couldn't do was physically on the lines, they were getting blown all over the place. I mean, there were times where (laughs) Iowa had four to five guys pancaked on the same play, and what I appreciated was that Frost came out after that game, and he appreciated the fact that his team didn't give up, which is that's progress, right? But but the second he said that, he's also like, I never want to see a team that much bigger than us, that much stronger than us. Like it took him no time to diagnose exactly what was wrong because he was seeing yeah. the same crap that you and I were seeing. Zach Duvall's job goals were written for the entire next year, the second that game were done. Get guys bigger, get guys stronger. And you know, Mac, we've talked about it, seven defense alignments squatting eight hundred pounds or more. All I'm going to say is it's going to be harder for Iowa this year to push us over the same way. Yeah, everybody wants to hear that. And that is the one thing that we have been waiting 
to hear. We want that is what we were born and raised on. The Husker teams that were going to basically go out there, punch you in the gut, and <laughs> knock you backward. Okay, so it's year two of Frost. You know, uh, Andrew, I'm going to start with you here. Just in general, what are you hoping to see a team in year two of Frost look like? I want to see us control the ball a little bit better. I want to see our third down defense improve. I want to see us get inside the top 50 on third down defense. I want to see us get inside the top 50 on third down offense. Control the ball a little bit better. If we stop having those penalties that make you just throw your hot dog onto the field and shoot yourself in the knee penalties, we cut down on that. We control the ball. We have a defense that's given up, I think, even just less than 28 maybe 30 points a game, and I think that we're going to see a whole lot of improvement and we're going to be a lot more happy with that. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, I, I think for me it's it's scoring early and often. I, I love being the explosive team that, that scores early and often, you know, like the Minnesota and Colorado game, or Minnesota-Northwestern games of last year where you build up these, uh, you score quick, build up these big leads. But like Andrew said, you you got to have less turnovers and you have to have less penalties. So less turnovers, less penalties, I think we'll be just fine because this team is extremely explosive on offense, and I think we are going to score a lot of points. So I, I'm cool just being the team that outscores them. Obviously, it would be great to have the defense improve, but, I, yeah, I think we're just going to outscore teams. Well, fellas, <laughs> we, we always finish each show with a, with a parting shot, so I want to give each of you guys an opportunity to, to give that parting shot. So, uh, Dave. God, you know, I just all I can think about is I just want to win. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. I, I, you know, I tweeted something out this week that that got a pretty good amount of, of attention. Where like my boss asked me what uh, you know what I was most worried about at work, and literally all I could think about was how I just wanted to win. <laughs> I just I just want to win. You know, I don't I don't even like we've hit the point in the year where I don't think about my day job. You know, it's just like we're just dialed we're dialed in completely to winning. And that's my party shot. Is I just I just want to win ball games. Andrew, I'm just excited for football. I'm excited for game day. I'm ready to catch a hot dog from Trevener Schlinger. I'm ready for <laughs> a hot slice of Val's. I'm ready for runs that it just melt the inside of my mouth with its volcano lava cabbage coming out at you. I'm ready for all of that. Well, cool. Thank you guys so much, David and Andrew. This yeah. is the, the first of, of many yeah. conversations we'll have with you guys, but it's the Hus guys. Hope you guys will meet us. Yeah, hope you guys will meet us on Twitter. All right, that's Hus guys. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Up next on the Redcast, let's uh, talk a little bit about season predictions. Before we dive into Nebraska, uh, we do have a Power 5 uh, prediction show that came out, and uh, we've uh, got all of those games out on Twitter now. Um, uh, I don't know if this is 100% accurate. I think we uh, probably had a little bit of arguments back and forth. If you listen to the show, it's uh, quite a bit of fun. But uh, let's start and just talk about these really quick guys. ACC, we landed on Clemson versus Miami. We've already seen Miami lose in week zero. Um, but I, I think that's probably a pretty good uh, prediction. Mac, you yeah, have a sense about uh, the locks here with Clemson at a, over 11.5. Louisville above 3.5. You're feeling good about those, right? Uh, ever since Miami's decision not to go with Tate Martell, I've been it, it just reaffirmed my Clemson pick. I guess is how I, that's how I view it. He was the uh, complete wild card factor in that whole league for me. Yeah, I'll I'll be interested to see how this plays out. I kind of have a sense that maybe Virginia could upend us on that Miami side, but we'll see. Mm. Uh, in the Big Twelve, we went Oklahoma Texas rematch with the Red River Shootout Honky. Um, I think all of us feel pretty good about this. Yeah, I don't think any of us had any arguments about those two being the final two in it the question although i did see that uh, uh desmond howard had iowa state but anyways i think it's going to be ou texas the question becomes who wins it i'm going to say oklahoma boomer what do you think out of those yeah two? i think it's going to be a repeat of last season where texas wins the red river shootout but then loses the rematch in the the championship game uh, ever since you know disney's bought all of espn disney loves the repeats and a reboot of what they've done before so we'll see more of the same yeah and speaking of disney and desmond howard that was just a, a really interesting first weekend Dave. Yeah, that was quite the college game day show, that's for certain. 
uh, SEC Championship. We've got Alabama, Georgia. We're not going out on a limb with this one. And watching Florida this week, I'm not going to be uh, changing that at all. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I might take a a flyer here that I don't know if Missouri's going to go under eight wins, but I, I think you know we had to throw some locks out there, and there's a reasonable case to think Missouri may not have a full motivation by the end of the year, right, Boomer? They are still um, not bowl eligible. Correct. Yes. And they have to go to Iowa or Wyoming. So, oh, come on. That's right. That altitude does play a another, role. Another yeah. nugget of wisdom. If you listen to the, the prediction show, Sonky obviously makes the case that Missouri is going to lose to Wyoming, one of his favorite uh, group of five teams out there. Yep. Uh, Pac-12, we went Utah-Washington. Another one that I feel uh, pretty good about. Utah um, seems to be in the driver's seat there in the south until USC can figure things out and hire Urban Meyer. <laughs> and, you know... <laughs> And it's also Washington over Oregon, I suppose. That'll be the big debate overall. Uh, Honky, any thoughts at all on the on the Pac-12 championship game there? You know, I, I'm disagreeing with Brent Siancia from Pick 6, who's been very high on Utah and had him in his college football playoff. I am going with Washington out of that mix. Does anybody disagree there? Anybody here have Utah actually winning it? I know we have those two, you know, as a group. I would probably take Utah winning it. I've been high on Utah for the last two years. I'll stick with them. Okay. So, I'll safely say Arizona will not challenge for the, the Pac-12. <laughs> I think Hawaii could challenge for the Pac-12. They could, yeah. Yeah, Hawaii doesn't look bad, I tell you. That was a very entertaining game as well. Wait, Dave, you talk about turnover margin and, and the whole oh Dirk story. My goodness. What were the turnovers that Hawaii had and still turned around and won it? I know they were at least at six at one point. I don't. I can't remember if they turned it over a seventh time in that game, but that's just incredible that you can have that many turnovers and still come out on top in the game. Yeah, the, the anomaly of the quarterback having three INTs and – yeah, it was crazy. We are our homers, right? We are fans, so we did take Nebraska to win the Big Ten West. No apologies needed this year. Uh, and we uh, have Michigan against uh, the Big Red. So uh, we'll see if Michigan can get over the hump. Uh, they are at home this year with Ohio State. Uh, Mac, you got to be loving this championship game prediction, right? That would be a fun one. I do believe that, that Scott Frost has kept a list. And, and on that <laughs> list, there's a, there's a few coaches, but probably – Probably close to the top of that list is uh, Jim Harbaugh. Boy, and that dates I, that dates before last oh, year. I know. That's UCF. Oh, even. yeah, absolutely, 100%. So I have no problems. They're, it's going to take very little convincing for me to think that we don't win that, that game by more than four touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm not going to go that far for the red cast as a whole, but that's Mac. That's my uh, $100 lock of the week. <laughs> you know, our, our prediction show was a, a lot of fun. It, it's uh, not something that I'd hope anybody actually goes to Vegas and puts money down. Oh, on. please I'm don't gonna be in Vegas. I'm going to be in Vegas for the first week of college football. I'm not even going to take our advice. So <laughs> I'm going to avoid it like the plague. So, um, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, if you want to get our take on college football across the country, it's well worth the listen. Let's, uh, Talk about Nebraska now, right? It is the Go Big Red cast, and uh, we have week one upon us. Thank goodness, right? Also, you know, I want to talk about Aura Day just a little bit, actually, because it's one of my favorite things about Honky, and he's actually created his own personal holiday, which I do <laughs> think is going to grow into a at least a statewide phenomenon at some point. Honky, can you talk to us a little bit about Aura Day? Well, we are going to have a really cool graphic come out, thanks to our unbelievable graphic designer, Dan. Aura Day's been going around now for about 15, 16 years, Mac. You've, I mean, been, you've been with me for a good 12, 13, 14 of those years. It's kind of funny, too, because I sort of, I kind of pulled it out of you when you were telling me about it the first time. You're like, well, I'm like, well, what are you doing? Because the game, you know, we got a game. What are you doing Friday? I'm like, well, I, I kind of have a thing I do. And I'm like, well, tell me about your thing. He's like, well, it's, <laughs> it's sort of where I walk around and I sort of soak in the aura of the whole... Aura Day is the day before the first kickoff of the season. And all you do is go down to campus, walk around the stadium, you go to a bar, you maybe meet up with an opponent's fan. That's all you do. Sometimes There's, you talk to Tommy Frazier. Yeah, we ran Tommy Frazier one time. We, we got on the field and watched Maine practice one year. I mean, there, it's the dumbest day. In, in, in all honesty, it's the dumbest day. And people will join me on it that don't understand it, and they're like, this is dumb. And they don't ever join me again. But Mac... 
yeah, it just makes total sense. You just suck in the aura that is college football. It's the transition into the college football season. And it has turned itself into an entire aura weekend. So you have aura eve on Thursday night. Correct, correct. And that's then, usually uh, the Rudy viewing. That's Rudy. I cry at Rudy. Yep. Uh, we watch football on Friday or mm-hmm. Thursday night. Right. Then Mac and I, this year, we're doing something new. We're going to have a two-man scramble in a two-man golf tournament called the Aura Open. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> Aura Day goes from there. And then it's football on Saturday. So it is the dumbest most awesome, greatest, you know, personal honky family holiday that I that I have. The thing with Aura Day is you've got to let it take you where Aura Day will. <laughs> you don't always know. Sometimes you attach to a tour already in progress, oh, and then and then you high five a player walking down the hallway. Sometimes you're on a tour with a tour guide, and he's getting the facts wrong, and you have to correct him <laughs> and say, "Hey, Yellow Jacket." I'm going to have your job. I'll I'll have your job in 40 years, but this is going to be a way better tour when I do. And and that's just sort of how Aura Day goes. We have a Husker podcast. Do you realize what that requires? Nothing. But I I mean, Dodge Stratus. That, folks, is Aura Day. So I don't know why you wouldn't want to join Mac and Honky on Aura Day. So I still believe it's going to grow into a statewide holiday at some point. God, I hope it does. Absolutely. Start talking to Huskers a little bit here. And let's go around the the table and have each one of us throw out one bold prediction uh, for the season. As you know, I never can you know uh, follow rules well. So my one bold or three, yeah, my bold prediction is I'm going to give you three of them. Right, I'm going to give you an offensive player who I think is a surprise guy. I'm going to give you a defensive player that's a surprise guy, and then I'm going to give you my biggest concern. My offensive player surprise is definitely Stoll. Without a doubt, I think that tight end is ready for literally all conference kind of potential numbers this year. Loved everything I saw out of him in spring ball when we were at practice. I got to see him at field level. I watched him running 40-yard sprints going up against you know linebackers and making catches. The guy is ready to play. Can't wait to see him. My defensive surprise player is absolutely Hannes. The guy, nobody benefited, and it was in an unfortunate way because he had an injury, but no one benefited more than him. And so the fact that he gets to come back this year, he looks physically so much better. He's bigger. He's stronger. This is a guy that he gives us immediately inside depth between him and Miller and uh, and Muhammad Berry at the inside backer. Hannes is a guy. There's a surprise guy. Let's try try to have Mac. I mean, I'll tell you, you have one bold prediction, but if you have more, fire away. Yeah, I mean, there's no rules. <laughs> <laughs> my bold prediction is that we win our first game, we win our last game, and we do not lose back-to-back games all year. And that'll be a first time in a long, long time that that's never happened. That's great- now, that, 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 could, that could manifest in a few different records, but I'm promising my Husker faithful out there, we win our first game, we win our last games, and we do not lose two in a row. That's a and, great and I would take that this year if you could give that to me because it's been long enough. If we win our first game or our last game, we don't lose two in a row, right? What does that mean? I mean, that's... that's I think I figured it out. It's got to be eight to seven wins minimum. Yeah, seven and five would be the worst you could be, realistically. Pool game. There we go. That's, that, that, that's my minimum effort. But yet, as horrible as that sounds, we haven't done that in quite some time. So... Well, we won four games the last two years in a row. So, I mean, I guess there's that. Uh, my my biggest right. area of concern is it's always at this point of the year when we start projecting our, our season win totals and how the season's going to go based on guys that we have never seen play for us on the field of play. Uh, we're we're in that situation again this year when we have a defensive tackle who is our captain and he played for Oklahoma State last year. Yeah. You know, we, we're talking about you know, an inside linebacker, and either Colin Miller or Honus, that need to contribute, and they need to contribute right away. You're talking about a center who was a tight end when we recruited him. So, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns. You're talking about a you're talking about a JUCO running back, like just like we had last year was a top JUCO running back that we all thought was yeah. going to be a thousand yeah. yard rusher. So there was those things. I I hate to be. Um, Debbie Downer? Well, not a Debbie Downer, but it's like, well, I've just seen this story before. It's like, I, let me see him produce for a little bit. I, I'm not doubting that they can produce, but I'm not I'm not going to fall on that. I'm not going to hoist myself on my own petard. Dave, Dave, it's the Husker realist that's sitting right next to me. That's, that's not what a it realist is. thing. Concern. You Pro- told me. Prove it. Oh. Uh, I think I think they're gonna have the chance to prove it. We're gonna let it play out. Boomer, you're usually the realist. Uh, maybe you're the optimist tonight. What do you well, got? Well, 
bit of both, obviously. Uh, since we want a bold prediction, uh, one, we're beating either Ohio State or Michigan this year. One of the two will win. I don't know which Ooh, one yet. Ooh, I like. So you can take that to the bank, take it to Vegas or West Des Moines, whatever you want to do. Uh, don't do that, Redcasters. Please don't. But anyway, uh, there is that. And if you want the more realist side, if we are putting up an area of uh, concern, I, we hadn't mentioned them yet tonight, but... At some point, we have to get production out of special teams, particularly return games. When's the last time we've had a big kickoff return or a you know consistent punt return game? It's been years, and we've talked about the importance of field position and how that plays into success, setting you up for success. So let's get that set up. Let's get a good punting game established. Um, you know, I don't know who we, who's going to be our lead punter yet. That's still up in the air, but let's get that in. Get the, get all that fixed and get that. Get that part of the game no longer a concern, and offense and defense just set up, set them up for success. All right, um, I'll throw one out, and I'm a big picture guy, so I'll, I'll take this at the macro level. Uh, Tom Chattel had a good article in the World of Herald Preview speaking about, I think he called them leap years, but like years where the program had significant change occur. He targeted 1969, the year that Devaney kind of rebounded from two six and four seasons and had a great young uh, crop of players in and he called out 1981 when we started one and two but Turner Gill uh, takes over the offense and and we start that great run of the early 90s and then he pointed out 1993 and uh, I'll say my bold prediction is 2019 is one of those leap years and we uh, really have a, a year that transitions us from the air that we've just experienced into a new era of, of Nebraska football where we are uh, returning to national prominence. How about that? I love you. Thank you. I wouldn't change a word, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, I think that leads it into what do we actually expect Nebraska to do this season from a win-loss total. Uh, let's uh, see what each one of us uh, wants to to predict. And we'll start with Boomer here. Oh, we'll just go regular season. I think... Let's go nine and three. There's probably a couple of stumbling blocks, but nine and three, and we win the West without question. Without question. All right. Excellent. Mac, can you top that? I, I won't top it. I would echo it. I like the I like the nine and three number. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend to guess the losses per se. Anything beyond that? I mean, college football is very difficult, folks. I don't I don't care how the schedule lays out. I don't care about a returning quarterback. There's, it's it's a long season. A lot of things have to happen in the right order for us to have a very, very successful year. But nine wins, the West, I could see that easily. I, I w- that's my prediction. Nine wins in the West. All right, it's two West championships right there. Honky. 12-0. and 0. And it's not that it's not twelve and zero that if we finish anything worse than that, I'm going to stop being a fan or not support the team or not not buy tickets. It's not one of those things. It's just I think that we can win every game on the schedule, and so I'm just going to predict that we win every game on the schedule. And if we don't, so be it. But we should not, and to, to quote our head coach, we should not, you know, be hesitant to have high expectations. The expectations in Lincoln have been far too low for far too long, and I think we can win every game on the schedule. There's not one team that we can't beat, so let's just win them all. Let's be consistent. Let's take them all one game at a time. We're strong enough. We're fast enough. We've recruited well enough. We've done the War Daddy Up movement. We have an unbelievable scheme. People like me. People like us, and we have an unbelievable (laughs) quarterback. Let's just play our best football 12 weeks in a row. And Husker fans, no matter what, no matter what expectation you have, if the team meets it or don't, just keep supporting them. That's it. We're going to be positive throughout the whole season no matter what. We have podcasted through Mike effing Riley. Mike Riley. Bob Diaco. Played a 4-3 defense in the spring game yeah. to hide his garbage 3-4 so, defense. So there, I, everybody so there, I said 12-0, and 0, and if we go 9-3, and 3 and I should be uber upset by that. Guess what? I won't be. Support them through this. If we can make it through Riley, we can make it through a 9-3 and 3 season, even with a 12-0 and 0 expectation. All right. I like it, Unc. I like it. That's good stuff. Um, you know, I think 9-3 and 3 is the most logical number. I, I do think once you break down the games, uh, I... I would hate to see us lose three of those games. I, I don't, I'm not going to feel bad if we lose to Ohio State, but uh, it's interesting to see how that plays out. I think if you go 9-3 and three and win the West, as Mac and Boomer have just hypothesized, 
you would uh, have to be beating Iowa, I think, in that last game of the year, right? And uh, that that's also quite uh, reasonable. I'll I'll go ten and two just to be different, uh, and to think that um, those two losses are in conference most likely. That still means a seven and two conference record, and um, hopefully that really puts us in a good position. Even if we don't win the Big Ten overall, we get a New Year's Six bowl game. That's what I'd really be shooting for. That'd be a great, great season and one of those transformational seasons that I just alluded to, Dave. That. Not only you're a hundred times smarter than me and you're a hundred times more reasonable, but I like to think I'm rubbing off on you a little bit, just a little. <laughs> hey, if you can't root for your team and, w- and give them a bold prediction, I would what's not the have point, predicted right? me and Boomer to be the low end of the <laughs> I really wouldn't have. Uh, yeah, if you guys didn't go nine and three, I probably would have took nine and three, but since you guys both did that, I'm like, hey, let's, let's uh, change this up. All right, guys, let's get out of there with some parting shots. Uh, let's start with Honky. I'm actually only going to have one tonight, and it is we are now up to 7,300 followers on social media. Holy smokes, Redcast Nation. We have passed Ralston. We are the 23rd largest city in Nebraska. You are next, McCook. We are taking over Heritage Hills Golf Course. Uh, all right. Mac, top that, please. Redcasters. The road has been long. The talk has been pretty effusious. It is time to put the rubber on the road. Let's see what these boys are all about. I, for one, am full speed ahead. I, I feel like, <laughs> Dave, you convinced me 10 wins is probably in my basement at this point. But, uh, <laughs> guys, the next time we talk, we're going to be talking about a game. I just can't even <laughs> hardly handle it. Adrian Martinez will probably be sitting by the second minute of the second quarter i don't even know i love you all i love every one of you guys all right boomer you want to join this love fest well just uh first like to caution mac have you checked the weather reports are you sure there's going to be a game that we talk about (laughs) i'm sure it's an 11 o'clock kickoff that we we can extend and extend and extend okay boomer that is a heart attack that none of us can have (laughs) i sat with mac last year through that akron fiasco if that ever happened again we couldn't do it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well no worries like like max said another kickoff we've got all day for the skies to clear so and, and skies are clearing up here in husker land i just know i'm going to spend the next six days uh, listening to the corn husker from the killigans on constant repeat on the computer so time to get pumped up folks excellent good stuff guys all right great show had a good time really looking forward to week one it's uh finally game week all right let's call that a go big redcast go big